E-commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross-border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits. Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E-commerce Experts. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to E-commerce Expander Secrets Podcast. Uh, I've got another exciting episode that I'm really excited to bring to everyone. So today we're going to be bringing Amy. Uh, Amy, are you there? I'm here. Hey! Hello! Know, uh, everyone who's listening to this in the UK, you're going to be very pleased to know that it's raining where Amy is in the States, and it's glorious sunshine here. So I know everyone's going to be very pleased about that. Not part of my year, of course. You well, you guys deserve you deserve some sunshine. You know, it's it you get you get the rain a lot, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Amy, thank you very much for joining us. Um, why don't we very just start very briefly with perhaps you giving a little intro about Amy, where you're based, what you do, not too deeply into what you do because we're going to get there in a minute. I want to leave some suspense for people, uh, okay. but you know, perhaps where you're based, what you do. What, yeah, what interests you? Go for it. All right. Well, I'm Amy Weiss. I live in San Antonio, Texas um, right now. I'm from originally from Wisconsin. I was in the military for many, many years in the U.S. Air Force. So I've lived all over the world. Um, and my husband and I settled here in San Antonio, Texas. We have two daughters. Um, and, you know, I, I guess uh, I sell on Amazon. I'm a private label seller. I'm an inventor. And, um, and I also have a consulting firm called Amazing at Home, where we help people on the journey from concept to launch. Perfect. Look at that. And we're going to dig in deep to some of that because I want to go through, I want to go all the way back to the, you know, the Air Force and all those bits and along that journey to where you are. Because I think it's a fabulous story that uh, I've dipped into in little bits over the years, I, I guess. Uh, and I think we're going to dig into some of that and and, and how you really ended up on Amazon. Because so many people come to me and say, Amazon's so difficult. Uh, I can't, you know, how do I do it? I don't know what to do. Uh, uh, yeah, we were having a conversation with someone literally the other day and they're like, why haven't you gone on Amazon? Like, oh, it's just too difficult. We haven't got anyone to do it. I'm like, okay, right, well, let, let's, yeah, let's solve that type of approach. And we're gonna solve some of those questions today. So Amy, let's go right back to your education. So. Your education is Wisconsin, Wisconsin, how do I say that? <laughs> well, Wisconsin, um, as far as education goes, um, I, of course, went to school. Uh, I, I guess you would, what do you guys call it, like primary school or something? I went all the way through high school in Wisconsin. And then when I graduated, I moved away and I worked in retail for a few years. I was an executive at Target. And then, um, you know, worked in, in, I worked as a nurseryman for a little while, uh, getting plants um, to Kmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I did, I did a little, I did my part in uh, having a few different jobs and stuff. Um, and then I joined the military uh, after that. And I, the military actually paid for my college education. So I went to college at the University of Maryland at campuses around the around the globe, 
um, and you know, achieved my bachelor's degree as well as two master's degrees, and then I have two additional um, undergraduate degrees as well. So uh, five five total uh, degrees, all paid for by my service in the military, which was really really great. And I went to school the entire time while I was working full time in the military. So it was a lot of work, but at the same time, it was something that I always wanted to do, and I always thought education was important. It was my way to get away from. You know, growing up, we were very, very poor. I was raised by a single mother and we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of things. Um, and so it was very important to me to be educated and kind of follow my dreams. And that's why I kind of left Wisconsin and, and joined the military. I wanted to travel the world. I, I had had some big dreams and I wanted to get an education. So the military allowed me to do that. And um, and it was really, really great. Brilliant. So, uh, what you, so you started off in one area. When you left college, you said you moved away. Where did you move to? Um, so I first moved to California. I lived in uh, Monterey, California. And then um, I moved to Georgia after that. And I joined the military from Georgia. Um, Why did you go to California? What was it that attracted you <laughs> So uh, actually, um, I got married at a very young age and my first husband was in the Air Force. And that's actually how I learned about the Air Force. And, um, and he was in school uh, in Monterey. So we had to move there. And so that's when I got my job uh, working for Target. And I learned, uh, I took over their, um, their uh, plant department, right? So, um, and that's how I kind of grew up in the ranks at Target. And um, and then I, um, then we had to move to Georgia because he got stationed in Georgia. Right. And, um, and that's when I, you know, got some other jobs working and as a nurseryman and stuff like that. And, uh, and that's when I decided that I wanted to join the military. Um, before and you, before you go into that, what was it that you thought, okay, actually I've done this piece. I enjoyed that. But now I want to go into the military. What was it that attracted you to that? Well, because I saw how much I saw what my husband was doing. I saw that he had opportunities that I didn't have. I also was trying to go to school full time while working, and it was really, really hard and very expensive. So yeah. the benefits of joining the military made sense to me because here I could have my school paid for. I could have a supportive system to help me get through college. Um, and so that's what I decided to do. Instead of working and continuing to go through school, I decided, okay, I'm going to take this leap. I'm going to join the military and um, and travel the world and achieve my goals and let the let the military help me achieve them. Because that that's a really because college system, you know, the college you're talking about is like university here in in the UK. So depending on where you're listening is going to depend on where we balanced out. But going to college or university in the States is extortionately expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, just give people a broad figure. The average college education costs people broadly what in the States? And we're not going to hold you to an exact figure. And yeah. Well, I mean, is. It depends how much you pay for that college education. You know, it depends whether you're going out of state or in state. There's whether you have scholarships or not. But most people, if you go for even a four year degree and you leave, most four years degrees leave with $100,000 or more in student loan debt. And then if they're going to college for um, a graduate school for a master's degree or a doctorate, 
I mean, you're looking at 12 years of your life minimum, and you're also looking at um, at a, a significant like in into mid, you know, I wouldn't say mid six figures, but I would say like 300,000 or more in uh, in total debt, depending on what school you go to again. And, um, you know, you can you can reduce it like you can go to community college for a couple of years, like you can reduce it. But, you know, for me, it just um, you know, I didn't come from a family where they could afford to pay all of this uh, money for me to go to college. And so I was kind of on my own and it was very hard to work full time and pay for college. And then, you know, and also grow in my career and try to go to school. So I just, you know, I, I really saw the military as an amazing opportunity. And the great thing about um, the U.S. military is they have colleges, they have college campuses on military bases around the world. So I lived in Germany for a little while and I went to University of Maryland in Germany uh, at the campus on base there. Um, I went to in South Carolina. I went to um, at the campus on base there as well as online. So I was able to go to a really great college and um, attend both on campus and online and have it all paid for by the military and have a supportive system because um, the colleges that are on the military bases definitely understand more that you have to deploy, that you have to, yeah. you know, be gone, that you can't always, you know, turn in something on time. You know, they, they're a little more supportive than the just regular college that is like, we don't care if you have a job. We don't get you figure it out. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it's it was definitely the right way to go and um, and really opened doors for me and allowed me opportunities um, that I that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So what, so what was the degrees in? So I have an MBA and a master's in cybersecurity, as well as um, a, an associate's in aerospace, um, aerospace technology, as well as an associate's in business administration. Check that out. That's impressive. <laughs> oh, and I have a bachelor's in uh, business management as well. The list goes on. <laughs> it goes it goes on yeah and i have a oh, couple of it i have a couple of it certifications hanging up back there on the wall as well <laughs> it's the cyber security one that that one now actually you're all jokes aside on that one i mean that is one that is coming to the forefront right now you know we're just looking at ensuring our premises right and re redoing that and getting new quotes yeah it's um after, he said to me andy no one's it's very unlikely that someone's going to rock up break into your building and steal stuff out of it. Because why would they? Like, they'll just go online and just hold you to ransom to everything you've got. Job done. Why would they even need to bother? Um, and you'd be surprised really how easy it is. You know, it, it's when I, I started going to graduate school for my MBA, uh, and I was like, you know, I just finished all these degrees in business. And I was like, you know, this is kind of, I, I'm I'm kind of done with business classes. Like I want to do something else. And I I got interested in cybersecurity and I just decided I had like no background in IT and I just decided to go this route of a master's in cyber because it was so fascinating. Um and then I actually started a career in cybersecurity after that um for the military. So and I left that career in 2018 to do to be a full-time entrepreneur. But 
Um, but in that career, um, if, if I could give you one tip <laughs> from somebody who has done a lot in the cybersecurity field, <laughs> um, I have participated in, you know, worldwide hacking competitions and stuff like that. And um, I have a couple of really impressive um, um, cybersecurity certifications behind me on that wall. Um, yeah. But um, if I could give you one tip, if I could give business owners one tip, it would be to update your security. Like if you have Windows systems, for example, every Tuesday patches come out. Update your patches. <laughs> Make sure that you are updating your servers, update your website, um, update your um, your systems, your computers, because if you study every major hack or minor hack in history, you're going to learn that the way that a hacker gets in is by exploiting the vulnerabilities on your system. So it's really important when Patch Tuesday comes, exploits come that day as well. And the the people who design exploits can either sell them to the good guys like McAfee and you know Norton and all those people or they can sell them to the bad guys. And um, and those exploits sell for, sometimes one exploit will sell for either five figures or even six figures, um, depending on how good of an exploit it is for a vulnerability. And how can you protect yourself? Just patch your system, people. <laughs> like, it's not that hard. So, you know, but a lot of people, they don't, they don't want their system to be scanned. It slows the system down. They don't update their patches, but, that is as simple as it is to keep hackers out of your system is to just go ahead and make sure that all of your patches are updated. You know, we look at when like Target got hacked. It was actually Target got hacked because um, one of their HVAC vendors that was working on their HVAC had um, a Windows XP system, I believe it was. And yeah. those are incredibly, they're like so much fun for hackers, right? If we find an XP system, we're like, yes! Jackpot. Um, but anyway, um, there's not even updates for those anymore, right? So I believe that that was it was either a Windows 7 or an XP system that hadn't been updated, and the hackers were able to get into that HVAC vendor, and then they were able to pivot into Target's system through the, their computers because once you get into a computer, you can then take all of the passwords all of anything that's stored there, you can assume that identity of that person who's on that computer, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, then you can pivot into any other systems and that's like the name of the game. Um, so yeah, if I could give you guys any advice, that's what it is. Patch your systems. <laughs> on a Tuesday. Well, whenever they come out. So it, they come out on Tuesdays. So yeah, as early as Wednesday, you could be exploited if you don't patch your system. So just make sure for Windows, Windows updates come out on Tuesdays. Um, so just check your update systems, make sure your servers and your computers are set up to update on a regular basis. And, um, and that's like one of the best tips that I can give uh, business owners besides just having like good password security and stuff. But honestly, the password, um, it's, it's, you can, any, any password can be cracked if you're working at it long enough, you know? So, I mean, it, yes, you should have good password security, but at the same time, you know, um, you, you, if you just update your systems and make sure that you're keeping them kind of 
locked down properly and you're not handing out your password to everybody. You can use systems like LastPass um, to, you know, share encrypted passwords. Um, and then also don't log into your banking systems and stuff like that. Like if you're out on travel, which we e-commerce entrepreneurs are always out on travel, um, don't connect to your hotel's Wi-Fi network and then log in to your, um, your bank or log into because um, you could easily get a key logger put on your system on public Wi-Fi um, and everything passed over public Wi-Fi or a lot of things that are passed are not encrypted. So if I look at public Wi-Fi systems and see who's scanning them, there's always tons of scanners out there that are scanning public Wi-Fi, like looking for data. That's really interesting because you actually, we've probably all done that in one way or another mm-hmm. and not even really thought about it because it comes up this system isn't encrypted and you're like well i don't really know what that means so i'll just crack off <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean it it is you can use saved passwords like you know if you're using um saved passwords where you're not typing anything in that's sometimes yeah. better but um but yeah it's it's definitely um dangerous to be typing in your passwords and stuff um or sending like sensitive things um when you are on public wi-fi so just keep that in mind um you can use a vpn uh, that's helpful every time i go to china i use a vpn because you know you want to make sure you're protecting your data mm-hmm. yeah so i mean there's just some some basic things but the hotel networks in different countries are some of the worst networks. They're full of, of bad guys. So make sure that you're um, that you're extra careful uh, from an e-commerce perspective um, when you're when you're on those networks. <laughs> well, I you did not expect to have a conversation with me about cybersecurity. But... No, I didn't. I love that because that's the whole idea of this. Where this ends up, no one really knows, and I definitely don't. So for me, that was that was fascinating. So. You was, you was in the air force, you was in there for how long? My total service was 18 years combined between um, wow. active duty and uh, civil civil service. Yeah. So you, you know, active duty, civil service, you know, you came out in 2018, you saw some, you know, you, you obviously traveled a fair bit in those times. Yeah. Where was the sort of, we're not gonna go too much into detail for any of those, but where was the highlight? Oh, I loved everywhere that I went. I lived in Germany for four years and loved traveling to the UK, loved traveling all over Europe. Um, I lived in South Korea. I loved South Korea. It was really cool. Um, I've traveled to Australia, Japan, the Philippines. Um, I lived in Hawaii for years. That's where I lived before San Antonio. I have lived in Georgia, California, Mississippi, uh, Florida, you know, all over the Arizona, all over the place. Um, and, you know, have been to, to many places overseas as well. And uh, Guam, I mean, you name it, I've, I've been there. And then, you know, I've continued my travels uh, as an e-commerce entrepreneur, which I love. You know, I go to I have a China trip. So well, haven't been there lately, <laughs> but, but maybe one day we'll go back. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just I love to travel and I love to see everything that the world has to offer and um and so yeah I lo- I love Asia I love Europe uh, I love the U S of course I love Mexico and South America 
Um, yeah, I, I, but I can't wait. There's so many places on my bucket list that I still want to go that I still haven't seen. And, um, that's what my husband and I are looking forward to when our kids graduate and, and move on. We're, we're really looking forward. We, we already take our, like we took our kids to China and they got to sled down the, the great wall and play with pandas mm -hmm. in Chengdu and, you know, but, uh, so we take them everywhere, but, um, but also we're looking forward to when they graduate as well. And we get to continue our travel and kind of do it full time. <laughs> yeah, in the nicest possible way, get rid of them so you can have some fun back. Uh, <laughs> my, I, I totally get it. I, I, we've got one 18-year-old and one 12-year-old, and I sort of say I've got two more years till this, the youngest one's 14. And you're sort of a little bit more free then. Uh, so so where did the you, the... you said you sort of... you 2018 was your sort of... You left and you became full-time, but you didn't just leave and become full-time because... You know, there's always, there's always a crossover period. You know, we're in the world of crossovers. So <laughs> why did that, you know, first, you know, thought process of, oh, e-commerce is on my horizon. This is what it looks like come from. Well, you know, I've always been, I'm like, a, I feel like I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur because uh, even when I was in the military, I always had like little side businesses. I used to have a nonprofit where I would help people with fitness stuff. We would meet at local parks and we would have like, fitness. I used to teach um, fitness classes and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, so I had a nonprofit. I always carried around a little notebook full of ideas. I always say that Pinterest was my idea first. <laughs> they were just better at executing it. Yeah. But um, but so I've always had something kind of side giddy going on. Um, and in 2007, when I was um, in college, like um, in my first two years of college, when I was living in South Carolina, I was looking for textbooks online because textbooks are freaking expensive, right? Yeah. Looking for textbooks. And I saw this little button on Amazon that said, sell yours. And I was like, oh, well, duh, I can buy my textbooks and then I can just turn around and flip them right away, you know, right after my, my class is done. And then I realized, wow, I can sell a lot of things on Amazon. So back then it was in 2007, it was like all merchant fulfilled. You know, there was, you could sell anything. You could, you know, put stuff from, you know, it was like garage selling basically. So um, I, I listed all kinds of stuff. Like I used to make my own packaging and just like ship out CDs and stuff. And I'd always like on my way to work in the morning, I'd stop by the post office and ship off a package to a customer on Amazon, you know, yeah. And it was just fun. It was a hobby. It was not like a business, you know, but it was a hobby and it was fun. And I learned and I started selling on eBay too. And uh, then I got stationed in Hawaii and, you know, merchant fulfilled from Hawaii. No, thank you. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I stopped selling on Amazon and eBay during that time, still kept my account open. But, um, but then I started a little Etsy shop cause I was painting wine glasses and beer steins and, yeah. Um, yeah, so I started a little Etsy shop while I was in Hawaii. It just again, just side gigy, just fun. And um, and then uh, when I got here to San Antonio, I wasn't doing anything e-commerce. You know, I wasn't um, I wasn't selling on Etsy anymore. I, I wasn't um, doing anything because I was focused on my career in cybersecurity, and that yeah. took all of my time. Getting all these certs and everything was honestly between all my degrees, all the tech schools, the military tech schools that I've been in, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it took all of my focus um, and attention, especially without having a background in IT. I had to learn how to convert binary to hex when I didn't even know what that was. You know, it was so uh, involved and so hard, but I did it. And, um, you know, uh, it was really, really great. And 
Um, so I kind of stopped everything e-commerce. And then in 2017, I had a problem that I needed to solve. And I it was a, a litter box problem, right? I have three cats um, and um, I have chronic severe migraines and the smell from the litter box was causing migraines. And we were we were cleaning it several times a day and it was just, you know, it's just gross anyway, right? But um, but yeah, I mean, I just was like, you know what? Nobody has solved this problem. Like we have been cleaning up dog and cat duty yep. since the beginning of time the same way. No one has innovated on this problem. And we still are taking care of our pets this way. And, you know, here we humans have advanced toilets and, you know, we're, we've got bidets and heated seats and everything, but we're cleaning up our cat turds, you know, like we're scooping with, we're looking for little treasures in, in the litter box. I'm like, you know, there has to be a better way. So every time I would, I traveled a lot with my cybersecurity job, every time I would travel when I had like kind of time to myself, I would sketch a better litter box. You know, and I would come home and I go, this isn't going to work. We've tried a litter box like this before. Right. And I just kept this up for like six months. And finally, one morning, I just like I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning and I just had this aha moment. And I was like, oh, my gosh, the problem is the litter box. Why are we dealing with the litter box in the litter box? Like we need something separate. We need a cleaner. We have a cleaner for everything else in our house. You know, we have a dishwasher, we have a vacuum. We, yep. we don't have anything for dog duty or, or cat litter. Right. So I invent, I got up out of bed at two o'clock in the morning and I started tearing apart a mesh laundry bin and putting it over a tub and dumping the litter box over it, making a huge mess. And I was like, no, I got this. This, this is, I'm onto something here. So I went to Home Depot, which is like our big hardware store right when it opened. And I'm trying to be all secretive about it because you know, like when you first become an inventor, you think everybody's going to steal your idea. And then when you successfully bring products to market, you realize 99.9% .9 of people have no idea how to bring a product to market. And oh, by the way, I was one of them. I had no idea, you know, all these degrees, what good are they? Right. So I went and built this prototype and it worked so well, Andy, it worked so well. I brought it home, built it. I bought, built two different sizes. It was rickety. It was terrible looking, but it worked. And I was like, there is no way I will ever go back to scooping a litter box again. This is incredible. I've got to figure out how to get this to market. And that's the journey that started it all. I knew I could launch it on Amazon. You know, you're talking about the people that were like, you know, well, we just haven't gotten on Amazon yet. To me, I'm the opposite. Like there's barriers to entry in retail. Like I can get on Amazon and look like I'm selling in a big box retailer. Let's do it. So that that was always my plan is to launch it and launch it on Amazon. But I didn't know how to take this rickety prototype and get it to market. So that's like my story of how I started um, doing this. And then, brilliant. yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant because you, you and, and that's how you. Know, I talk to so many you, know, you know, Amazon sellers. You know, and, and it all comes from I've got a problem. I need to solve it. Oh, what? Hold on a second. I've solved it. Now, hold on. who else has got this problem? Oh, well, pop it on Amazon. Boom. Um, so now, obviously, before you get that to Amazon, you've solved the problem. Now you're thinking, well, okay, I've got to manufacture this. I've got to find somewhere to do it. I've got to work out all this process system and everything else that goes with that. Yeah. So 
Jim, we're not going to go deep into that because we could spend a whole period yeah. on that. Like, but I, I think that period is you've then gone away and found a way of solving that solution. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. Like, I agree. We could talk about this for an entire hour or longer, you know, but that was just it. Like, I really realized that, okay, I have this prototype and I know people launch products all the time, but I didn't know how to get it to market. So I ended up um, trying out for Shark Tank, uh, season 18 of Shark Tank. Um, oh. I, I didn't I didn't get picked up for the show that season. Okay. But, um, but I also in that, in that journey, what made me realize that I needed to figure this out was that I ran up a bunch of like inventing firms and stuff like that. And all of them want so much money just to take like your drawing and do something with it. And that doesn't even include your molds. So I just kind of what started amazing at home and what started this whole thing was me figuring it out. I said, dang it, I'm going to figure it out. And I just started cold calling manufacturers, I started figuring it out and, um, and sharing. So I would share with anybody who would listen because I knew there were other people out there with ideas that just had no idea how to execute them. And even to this day, I run across um, Amazon, uh, Amazon sellers who have ideas, but they stick with white label. They slap their label on an existing product because they don't know how to execute an idea. And I think there's a difference between like, you know, just finding a product out there and slapping your label on it or slightly differentiating it. And there's a huge difference between that and bringing something completely new and different to the market. Yeah. And so, you know, but there's a balance between those two systems as well. And so, yeah, I, I guess that's, that would be fair to say that, um, that, yeah, my whole journey is based on me figuring that out and sharing my story. Fantastic. Because what I want to know is, so when you design the product, so you've designed the product, how did you get a mock-up of it? How did you get the first design of it? Did you go down the 3D printing room? Yes. Um, well, I worked in a building full of brilliant uh, engineers because I was in cybersecurity. And so I, one of my best friends was uh, an electrical engineer and he, <laughs> he looked at my drawings and he was like, Amy, I can turn that jock, jock strap of yours <laughs> into like something real, you know? And so I, I took him up on that. He had done 3D design and stuff in college and for many years. And he'd still, he created video games after that. So he really, you know, had everything together already. So he came over to the house. We sat down. I mean, I was very lucky. He came over to the house, we sat down with his laptop and we designed it together. We took my prototype and my, my dimensions and everything and we designed it together. And then um, and then one of our other friends, a master sergeant that was there, he had his own 3D printer. So we designed the 3D design to be printed on this 3D printer. It was a small 3D printer. He also had a CNC machine. <laughs> so like here we were bringing parts to work, you know, like, oh, here's a part of this. Here's a part of this. Let's assemble this, you know. So we kind of did it together. It was like a crazy, you know, I had so much support. And then uh, we ended up building our own 3D printer with a really large plate so that we could print the whole thing. Um, and we brought our prototypes to, um, to manufacturers to see, like local manufacturers here in San Antonio to see uh, if they could do something with it. And they were like, where did you get this? Can, can we have your card? We need people that can do this, you know, because 
nobody comes to them with like done 3D printed prototypes, you know? So they were asking for our business cards and we're like, uh, we don't, we don't know. We don't do this. <laughs> like, this is just what we figured out, you know? So it was, uh, yeah, that's what kind of started it all. And then I, I had to find a, a mold maker, uh, because I needed molds. You know, I learned my first prototype was made out of metal and plastic. Uh, it was like a hardware mesh and plastic kind of fused together. And I learned by talking to manufacturers that that would be way too expensive and manual labor to, um, to do. So, um, and I knew what my prices were. A lot of entrepreneurs, they don't, they, they just, they just manufacture something without pricing in mind. And then they, they can't sell it because it's not competitive in the marketplace. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I looked at it and talked with the manufacturer and the designers and they were like, yeah, Amy, you should really make it completely out of plastic. So then I had to go back to the design drawing board. I had to go back to my patents, mm -hmm. all of that. And like, just kind of redo it. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a crazy journey. It took me, uh, then I had my molds made in China and they cut into the mold too many times. I kept making mistakes and, um, they had to destroy the mold and I had to start completely over six months into my project. I had, I had funders, I had crowd funders and I had to apologize to all of them and be like, I'm sorry, this project is still on, but I have to start over. So hold on, we've not touched on that piece. So let's go back a step. So I used to have a 3D printing business. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, really? Um, well, I'm not surprised, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Uh, so I totally get that picture. That design, the manufacture, bring it to life. Molds are a massive issue. Totally get that. So you, you crowdfunded that first, first one? Well, I had some crowdfunding, not the entire project, but I, I did do a crowdfunding campaign to help me pay for tooling and just to kind of get the word out out there and also to kind of validate that people thought it was a good idea and that they liked it. I would take my prototype to local markets and demonstrate it and grow my email list. Um, yeah, I mean, so I did have, I had like 62 pre-orders when I launched, which was cool because then I could just like send them all out to people. And, um, and yeah, I, I had my first reviews from that and it was helpful. And that's really important actually getting those, you got 62 people straight away. They're essentially your test bed, get reviews, get the product out there, get some photos of it being used in real life. And that stuff is absolutely crucial. Okay. All right. So we've got the first product and you pop it on Amazon. <laughs> well, you know, while I was developing that product, I met with uh, mentors at SCORE and my local small business association. I did, I drafted my business plans. I set up my bank accounts. I basically set up my business and really understood what I, I visualized my entire brand and what I wanted to look like. And I knew that this product was going to take me a while to launch. So I didn't just launch this product. In the meantime, while I was developing this product, I launched three other products for my brand so that I didn't just have one product. I had some complementary products. Um, so that's what I did in the meantime. Actually, before I launched this product, I launched three other products and, uh, and some variations of those products and got them selling. I tried other business models during that time just to kind of learn more about what FBA looked like because remember, I was just doing Merchant Fulfilled in the beginning. And so we did wholesaling for a while. We did some retail arbitrage. We really just like hit the ground running and we tried to learn as much as we could before launching our brand, right? 
Um, so we did that. Uh, we, I learned how to create listings. That's how I became a copywriter. That's how, you know, again, that's how Amazing at Home was kind of started and, and how it grew into what it is today uh, and how we became known for copywriting and listing optimization. And yeah. Um, and yeah, so I started my brand way before I launched my invented product. And then I still sell some of those products today. I also had lots of failed products. You know, when I was doing wholesale, I would make bundles and you know, people would jump on the listings and it was like, oh man, this is so much work. And, uh, and when I launched one of my first products that I launched was a cat toy, a set of cat toys. I just found it on Amazon and I was like, I didn't use software. I just found it on Amazon and I was like, you know, this would be easy to launch. It's kind of easy to copy. Like I'll contact a manufacturer in China and have them make 20 cat toys and stick them in a bag. Well, by the time I launched, You've heard this story before a million times. By the time I launched, there was a hundred other sellers of basically the same thing, same idea. And that's when it became really important to me to differentiate from that point forward and to make sure that I could protect a part of my product so that I didn't have to worry about it anymore. I was tired with wholesale, with everybody jumping on the listings and all that. I was tired of that. So that kind of has become my mantra from that point forward, uh, just because I work with so many sellers that are like, well, when I found this product, it was fine. There was no competition. Well, yeah, there's 3000 new sellers on Amazon every day. Don't you think other people are doing the same thing, right? And I get it, I fell for it too, right? So yeah, so that's what I did. It wasn't just like my invented product. I launched many products, some that I still sell today, and I learned a lot of lessons along the way. Perfect. I love that. So when, at what point, so you left 2018, you, you're now selling. Uh, when did the Amazing at Home brand start to appear? So it was when I was doing wholesale in 2018, uh, 2017 and 2018, when I was doing uh, wholesale, I started hiring people to write listings for me from Fiverr. And I was like, okay, wait and remember, I have a background in cybersecurity. I know a little bit about, you know, how things work in the world, right? So I was like, you know, I, this is all about SEO and this is all about keywords. Yeah. Um, and I was testing some software for a friend, Andy Arnott, my co-host for the podcast, um, for our Seller Roundtable podcast. I was testing his software, Seller SEO. I was learning a lot about SEO. I was, and so I just realized in that time frame, I was like, okay, I could do a much, much better job of this. You know, I do have a, I do have a couple of degrees. I know how to write, you know? So I was like, I'm going to start writing my own listings. And since I have a really big bill to pay off with molds, I'm going to do it for other people. I'm going to put myself on Fiverr so that I can earn a little bit of money to help me pay off some of this debt. Right. Um, and people would come to me with really saturated products and I would find new keywords for their products. I would call their products different things and I would rewrite their listings and they would sell out. And they were like, Whoa, how did you do that? Like, can I consult with you? And I was like, uh, I don't consult, but <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I had this domain name, Amazing at Home. I was going to do a YouTube vlog, like featuring people at home doing cool things, right? I was just, it was going to be just like a lifestyle thing, whatever. Well, I had this domain name and people were asking to consult with me. And I was like, okay, uh, let me just use this domain name and build a website over the weekend so that I don't have to put it on fiber, right? They can go to this website. They can um, consult with me. And so I built the website over the weekend. And that's when Amazing at Home was born. It was in 2017. 
um, while I was still working full time at my job. And I was able to, after that consulting started, I had so much people, my clients had so much success that word traveled like crazy. So I was helping people with listings, helping them with launch, helping them with their copy, with their photos, everything. And people had such wild success that word traveled. And before I knew it, I was working full time at my job and I would come home from my job and I would be on consulting calls at five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. I would get up in the morning, do it all over again. Then I started doing consulting calls on my lunch hour at work because I had people overseas that I was consulting with and in their time zone, that was the only time that it would work. So I would go out to my car, bring my laptop, connect to my phone, do consulting calls at lunchtime. I would work all weekend long on consulting calls and it was just like insanity. So I was like, okay, I can't, I can't keep this up. I have to either quit my job or whatever. So I ended up, that's when I made the decision to quit my job because I, I couldn't keep it up anymore. And I never expected to be a business consultant or to be good at helping people figure it out. Um, but I mean, I was a war planner in the military, so I'm pretty good at taking a giant vision and turning it into executable steps. I am a workaholic. I'm really good at figuring things out and turns out I'm pretty good at helping other people figure it out too. So that's when it was born. And um, yeah, I never expected like last year in seller poll, um, when we were voted third top consultant in the world, I was like, who are these people voting for me? Like I had never run a paid ad, nothing. I was like, this is incredible. You know, it was just, it's been a wild ride. And I'm, I'm, I never expected to start out as a private label seller and to invent a product and to start a brand and end up with also being a, a yeah. consultant. Oh, success, success sells. Uh, and I don't mean that, you know, you know, at the end of the day, people get attracted to, okay, you've done a good job, that gets out, that gets out, and you grow the business by partnerships, referrals, but people know you're doing a great job, and, yeah. and that's how it grows and scales, so yeah, that's totally epic, absolutely amazing, so so with that journey then, you know, obviously that's been a, a roll, not a roller coaster, right, a really sort of, you know, with COVID, Brexit, well, COVID, because you haven't, you're not involved in Brexit. We've just had that grief here. Um, sorry for anyone who actually wanted it. Sorry. Hold, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but COVID's been up, down, you know, lots of people are buying online. There's been some great stories. People have had a lot of success. Some people haven't. You know, I totally get that. Um, but that last 18 months has, has helped propel everything going forward. So what do you think, if, if someone was listening now and they were listening well, amazing at home, what are the core things, core strands that you really support and consult with sellers in order to help them to successfully sell? So I think the tough thing really is really starting a true brand. I mean, I think so many people see this Amazon opportunity and they're just like, yeah, you know, you just pick a product and you throw it on Amazon and you find it with the software and it's going to be fine, you know, and you're going to be a millionaire sitting on the beach next week. That's because right? that's what we had a YouTube video some guru told them. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so... And so if you come to me and you want me to help you find a product on software and um, and start a, a brand, like I'm going to go, yeah, I'm not your girl. But if you come to me and you say, Amy, I want to start a real business and I want to connect with my customers and I want help finding the right products, studying the market and really launching a true brand that is 
could be global, could expand into retail, I'm your girl. I can help you understand what you need to do to not only, I've, I've, I'm also a business fixer, but if you're just getting started and you want to launch a brand, you, you can come to us because we practice the business basics. You know, people have been trading goods and services since the caveman days. This is not rocket science, people. You don't have to use product research software to find a product. You don't have to follow the formula that, you know, you can actually just follow tried and true methods. So you can come to us, you can learn how to do market research, you can learn how to have confidence in your product launch, how to understand why the customer will buy your product over the competition, how to protect your product, how to manufacture, how to do product development, true concept all the way to launch. We can hold your hand on every step from concept to launch. We have this process figured out. We have a course documenting the whole thing, a graduate level course um, that really is every step along the way from concept to launch and not just on Amazon, on retail and beyond. So that's what we're about. But then we are also, I also, one of the biggest things that I do is I fix people's businesses. I fix their business. They come to me, we go over their numbers. We figure out what the heck's going on with their sales. We fix their SEO. We fix their uh, their marketing standpoint. We look at their listings. So a lot of my time on consulting calls is spent fix, helping people fix things, helping people see a path to where they're going, a clear path. We look at everything, we analyze it, and we go, all right, this is exactly the path that you need to fix your business and become profitable. I got an email yesterday from a new person in our mastermind group, and she said, Amy, I finally understand why my business is not profitable and how to fix it. Thank you. I have followed so many gurus, and they have good information, but I didn't get it until now. And so it's, it's good. We're, that's what I'm very proud of. Everyone who has gone through our program and found a product and launched a brand has had incredible success. I'm super proud of that. That's amazing. That's absolutely brilliant. Now let's move into what we see happening going forward, because this is always the bit where people are you're really, really keen to understand, you know, people have uh, you know, listening, thinking about, you know, what's going to happen in Q3, Q4, you know, people should be plan planning and almost dealt with Q4 by now. Uh, and uh, if you haven't, you need to wake up and smell the coffee because uh, you know, if you haven't shipped by now, there's a very real chance that actually you're not going to get your products in time for Q4. There's a real problem with shipping right now and you need mm -hmm. to get take action. That aside, all of that aside, like, let, let's just say you need to be shipping as soon as possible to get your stuff here for Q4. Let's just say that. But outside of that, what do you see changing in the in e-commerce e landscape over the next, let's say, six months conservatively? What do you think? Well, the first thing that is majorly changing, uh, besides our logistics problems, I agree. We're telling everybody ship no later than August um, for that. So yeah, that's that's really great. But the first thing that I've noticed on Amazon, especially, and I'm sure all of you have noticed, is increased pricing of advertising. Pay-per-click has gone up. I was on a client call last night and he showed me He's like, yeah, my keywords last year at this time were on average uh, like a dollar and something, right? He showed me this whole spreadsheet of his keywords, his cost per clicks. And now they've gone up between two to, to eight dollars per click. 
And we're seeing that across the board in nearly every category on Amazon US at least. Um, but I'm also seeing that with some of my UK clients, there are some, the cost per click is rising. So Amazon realizes that they can charge more for advertising and they are. And so this is where it's really, really important that you have a strategy, a, a really great advertising strategy that is both on and off of Amazon, because you know that's how I reduce my advertising costs is I also advertise on Google shopping, on Google search ads. I also advertise organically on social media. I get in media articles, things like that. Um, it's really, really important. And those external traffic links rank your products three to one over PPC alone. So many people are doing PPC only launches and yeah, they work, but they're very expensive. So unless you have incredible margins, which is the other thing, like most people do not have good margins. And so that is like one of the things that, you know, is so important to recognize if you can't afford to advertise, especially now you're going to be in trouble. So it's going to be those people that are really good at negotiation, really good at product development, really good at understanding what they can buy it for, what they can sell it for, and leaving a good margin in there that are going to crush their competition. And so, and, and those people that are taking brands seriously, because, you know, it used to be in 2015, 2016, 2017, you could stick your label on anything and you could throw it on Amazon and it was, you were, you made millions. I mean, you could, you could hit the right niche and the right product and it was great. And it's just not the case anymore. So the first thing is the increased cost of advertising is going to force people uh, either out of the business because they're not making enough money or it's going to force them to have a more um, well-rounded advertising strategy off and on Amazon. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So that's the, an immediate thing that you should be paying attention to if you're not paying attention to it. I think I'm speaking on how to reduce this cost for PPC at nearly every Q4 summit this year, because it's just the biggest thing right now that's going on. The second thing is Amazon is going to become, um, and he's already headed that direction. It's going to become more of kind of a boutique shopping experience where you're going from brand to brand. You can see with Amazon Lives, with Amazon Posts, with the way that Amazon is curating their content and moving things around. So if you are one of those sellers that's not brand registered and you're just kind of launching those Me Too white label products, the resellers are gonna have a harder time getting their products up if they're not selling a brand that's already well represented on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> the people that are trying to start private label without actually planning and starting a real brand also going to have a hard time because they're going to get lost in search. And that comes with advertising too, because when you're a registered brand, you have access to ads that other people don't have access to. And right now the ad cost for the big pool of ads where everyone's competing is very, very expensive. Um, so that I think is just going to continue to happen. The last thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> the last thing is um, Amazon, if you haven't noticed, for commodity type products, Amazon has become the low price leader. So it used to be that you could take a commodity type product, such as, um, you know, a serving tray or something in homewares, and you could put a high end spin on it. Um, you could put a high end spin on it and you could be like, but we're brand and we're beautiful and we're only on Amazon. And you can't do that anymore. Because customers on Amazon, they want to pay, pay low prices. And so it's very hard to just put a lips, lipstick on the pig, you know, put it in a nice box and 
um, and sell more on Amazon for a higher price point. Now, you can put it in a nice box and stay competitive in your pricing and sell more. Like that it does well on Amazon. But for certain categories of commodity type products, it is very, very hard to have just a high end brand. And this used to be the tactic that um, people would use uh, in kind of 2017 timeframe, a lot of people were doing this and it just doesn't work anymore. And now those people who have tried to just have the Amazon only brand that sells for a much higher price point are kind of, they're getting out or they're finding, okay, I need better product. I need better product. I can't just put my label on a commodity anymore and try to call it a higher end brand. It has to have a benefit over other commodities in the marketplace. Um, so that is really changing on Amazon. And I, I think that I'm already seeing uh, brands that did very well. They're either exiting right now um, or they're trying to find better products and trying to develop more products to really make their brand differentiated so they can stay in that high end margin and still um, succeed on Amazon. That, that, I mean, that brand registry piece uh, we're seeing certainly in Europe is absolutely critical. Yeah. Uh, the people with brands, uh, the ones that are registered, the ones are, that are really succeeding are the ones that are brand registered. You know, I mean, I'm almost getting to the point where if someone's not brand registered, we wouldn't say don't expand. We are sort of saying you need to make sure you've got a brand so you can start start getting brand registry because it does make a massive difference it does really help make you stand stand out from the crowd without any shadow of a doubt and i think you're the we had jerome on here from e-commerce do you know jerome from e-commerce uh, i don't think so jerome i'll put you connect you to because he's, he's a great guy and he was on here two weeks ago saying exactly the same thing like the, the ad thing you know, you've got to be bringing traffic off of Amazon on, you know, the cost of ads are going up and they're only going to go up. Like yeah. they're only going to, it's the only way they're going to go. So sales velocity is absolutely critical. So I love those things. So that's absolutely perfect. And, you know, when people are expanding, that's what they need. They need that brand registry piece. They need to make that work. Um, and not everyone does that. And I think to start, I think we're, Europe's a little bit behind the States. You yeah. know, we're probably we're probably 18 months behind in many ways but you know i think that 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 just catches up so that, that's brilliant okay look we've probably gone on for longer than i was anticipating but that is because uh you're an amazing guest and you've got a huge amount of value to to uh impart to everybody so i love those last things so let's just recap on if um you used to work with your dream client so we can just make sure we're publicizing that and getting that out there who would that be? Uh, I already have some really great dream clients. And those are the clients that are really wanting to serve a customer niche and start a real brand. And they want help along the way. And, uh, you know, we've had some just incredible products come out of our program. And it's just it's so cool seeing these brands be born and being just a little part of their story. So, yeah, if, if you want help on your journey and you really want to launch a, a true brand that serves a customer and you want to develop a product like that's that's my dream client right there. I love helping people through those struggles because I've been there myself and um, there's a lot of hurdles along the way when you're developing your own product and, and really trying to differentiate and, and launch a real brand, uh, both on and off of Amazon. And you want to set up your brand from the beginning uh, to to be a, a global brand. Like 
I'm your girl and uh, and I would love to be part of your journey. I, I've got the 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 help that you need to get there. That's perfect. Okay. So with that in mind then, how does someone get in contact with you? So you can reach us at amazingathome.com. We also have a free listing review service and that is just it's just helped so many people. So if you have a listing, whether you're in the UK or you're in amazon.com, if you have a listing, a product listing, and you're not sure what's going on with it, maybe you've lost impressions, maybe you're, uh, which lately there's been since the glitch, I've found every client has had an issue with their listing that they didn't know about. They've been suppressed and didn't know it, or they weren't indexing and didn't know it. So that's something to keep an eye on. But, um, but I have a free listing review service. So if you are just wondering like, what's going on with my sales and why isn't my PPC working or whatever your question is, you can go to amazingathome.com underneath the services menu, there's free listing review right there. Um, and you can submit your listing for review. And I personally will send you a video of me sharing my screen and reviewing your product and giving you tips. Um, and I just, I love doing it as a copywriter, as somebody who helps brands. I love doing it. It's fun for me. And I love helping people in that way. So uh, if you do nothing else, you can always stop by amazingathome.com and, um, and sign up for a free listing review. Perfect. Look at that. That's amazing. Uh, well, look, Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you for everything you do for uh, sellers. Uh, thank you very much. You ever do sporting uh, GE as well. Uh, so thank you very much. It's been amazing having you on e-commerce expand secrets. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, and thank you very much to everyone for listening. Uh, thanks for the comments. We will get back to the comments on social as we go through. Uh, wherever you've been listening, wherever you've been uh, put on, this will be put and added on to a podcast, which is the whole point of this is actually a podcast. But we obviously go live because you can in this modern world. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, wherever you're listening, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much for everything, Amy. And we'll see you on the next episode of the e-commerce expanded secrets. Thanks.